Hello, welcome to another installment of the Central American Group's podcast, in which experts discuss topics related to doing business in Costa Rica, El Salvador, and the rest of the region. Hello, welcome to another installation of the Central American Group's podcasts. In these discussions, we speak with experts who have various uh, programs and knowledge and expertise in business in Central America. Today, we have uh, a gentleman with us uh, from an organization called HUGE. His name is Greg Uger. Uh Greg, maybe you can tell us what the acronym means and a little bit about yourself and the organization that you represent. Well, thank you very much, Steve. I'm delighted to be with you and your audience. Uh, HUGE stands for Honduras, USA, Guatemala, and El Salvador. So what it is, it's a nonprofit 501c6 business association registered in Washington with the objective of facilitating and making investments, private investments in those four countries uh, for massive job creation. and. so that's that's the uh, focal point of, of huge, uh, and our longer name is Think Huge. <laughs> and uh, myself, uh, I have uh, a career between the private sector, where I was with John Deere, Unical, and Bechtel, almost all the time in developing countries and challenging ones at that. And then the other half of my career with USAID and the Peace Corps. And so uh, I uh, am now delighted to be associated with the fine people of HUGE. And we were talking a little bit before we started about uh, the participants in HUGE. Could you tell us a little bit about the organization, who makes it up and what they do? Absolutely, Steve. Huge was founded by a group of business leaders from the four countries. And they had known each other through business and a little bit of social contact, but mainly business contacts over the years. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they realized that uh, the four countries are suffering from a common problem, and that is they desperately low standard of living for the common people in the Northern Triangle, uh, Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras, which forces them to make that difficult journey uh, up to the U.S. looking for the American dream. And so uh, on the one hand, uh, they're driven by poverty, Uh, They're driven also by family reunification. Uh, 22% of the Salvadoran population now lives in the U.S. And so it's a little bit less for the other two. So that's another another piece. Uh, And by the violence and uh, difficult uh, environment in which they live uh, in their home countries. And so... um, the, the business leaders who got together and founded HUGE in December of 2020 realized that one of the things that they were doing that helps contribute 
to the solution to that common problem of their countries and the people in them uh, is to uh, provide well-paid jobs with good working conditions and, and benefits and uh, support to the families and communities in which the workers live so that they can find the American dream in Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador without having to go through that process of going up to the U.S. and making it across the border. So uh, that was why they did it. And uh, the objective, the idea was, it is to have six from each of the Central American countries. And then uh, they upped the number from six to 12 in the United States. So a total of 30 members of whom we now have 20. That's interesting. Um, more specifically, uh, you got into it a bit, into it a little bit, but more specifically, uh, can you name some other goals and what's the formula that your organization uses to achieve them? Yeah. Um, we're trying to um, create a better image based on reality of the private sector in the Northern Triangle and the U.S. private sector as it works with them. Um, there are bad apples and stories of bad things being done, uh, actually in all four countries, but very significantly over people's impression in the Northern Triangle. And so one of the objectives is to uh, significantly expand responsible, non-corrupt, uh, sustainable, profitable business to employ a lot of people. And so by doing that and by um, engaging in, uh, as citizens in the public discussion, uh, to push for policies that uh, benefit the whole country, all the people, is one way to improve the image of the private sector in the area. Another is to make investments in and push strategic regional infrastructure projects. And those would be... Uh, transportation projects, so roads, airports, upgrading seaports, uh, border crossing. Um, it would also be uh, telecommunications, G5, uh, in particular US G5. Uh, very importantly, energy. Uh, the countries um, need to have abundant, competitively priced, clean energy to be attractive and competitive in the overall nearshoring uh, situation. And so, and we can get into this a little later on, we're involved with some pretty significant energy projects. And uh, the third uh, goal is to increasingly make this group 
a point of reference in Washington on our issue, which is in private investment for massive job creation and sustainability. So um, those are some of the broader goals that, that the organization has. And the formula that we have to go into your question is um, we work in clusters. So taking founding members uh, who are in the same business and they working together to define the art of the possible in terms of our mission, investment, jobs, and social sustainability. And um, so we've started with the low-hanging fruit in the region, and that is the textile and garment industry. And so there we have six of our 20 members are big players in that. Uh, companies like Parkdale Mills in the United States, Fruit of the Loom, Sandmar, Intradeco, and then some of the uh, key players in the region like Elkatex or Caracol Knits uh, in, in Honduras. <clears throat> so um, they then are working together and um, making investments to make that industry very competitive and successful in terms of our mission. So one of the things that they're doing is that <clears throat> they are investing, the individual companies with their partners are investing uh, over $550 million in new projects now in the uh, yarn spinning uh, business so that the yarn that is used in producing garments in, in Central America, in the Northern Triangle, comes from uh, yarn producing factories there and is of U.S. origin mm -hmm. uh, so that that qualifies under the Central America Dominican Repu Republic Free Trade Agreement, CAFTA-DR, for duty-free entry into the United States. And so they're using U.S. cotton and their uh, joint production between U.S. and uh, Northern Triangle companies to produce the yarn. And then that goes into uh, garments that are uh, sold in the world market, importantly in the United States under CAFTA-DR. So working with clusters uh, to draw on the knowledge and capability of our members is a, is a key part of it. Uh, another example is an infrastructure uh, group within our membership. And they're um, looking at um, projects. One is one of the projects that we're working on is building a road in Guatemala that would uh, bypass a very difficult part of the Pan-American Highway and offer a, a significant improvement on road transportation there. And that's one that's interesting because it's an example of a full, fully private uh, 
project. It's, it's uh, built or designed, built and owned by uh, private interests, uh, as opposed to um, uh, public or even a, a public-private partnership. And so um, we're also working uh, in the uh, infrastructure area in energy, where one of our founding members in joint venture with a U.S. company uh, is setting up uh, a system for bringing compressed, not liquefied, natural gas from Louisiana on very large ships uh, in which the hold will be filled with containers full of cylinders of compressed natural gas and above deck U.S. cotton uh, coming to Honduras uh, to convert power plants that are now and have been burning heavy fuel oil to natural gas. And so you get a lower cost, cleaner, reliable source of energy. Um, and that is a technology that can be moved to the location of the power plant that's being converted. Or if you were to build it from scratch, a new one uh, for, for natural gas uh, use. So uh, that is a, a, an example of a, of a major project that we're doing. And it is bringing down, will bring significantly, bring down the cost of energy of electric power in Honduras. And another um, is an, a very large new project in Honduras uh, that's pump storage um, that uh, will generate 1,200 megawatts of power in its initial stage and go up to 3,600 megawatts of power. And this is a uh, very low cost uh, production and alternative energy that's totally clean because you're pumping water from below to above and then driving turbines, very large turbines uh, in a shaft uh, that can uh, produce the electricity. So without getting into all the technical details of it, uh, that's the kind of projects that we're working in. Uh, and we're looking also at other opportunities uh, particularly in the context of connecting um, the three countries linked with the United States as an integrated platform for production in the nearshoring context. Uh, we're looking at the possible um, creation of a logistics and manufacturing hub in the corridor between Puerto Barrios and Puerto Cortés Barrios in Guatemala, Cortes in Honduras. And also a project that's been around for a long time, but looking at the dry canal, Canal Seco, uh, that goes from Cutuco in eastern El Salvador up to Puerto Cortes and would be thus plugged into that corridor. 
So that would be um, if we can work through how to do it. Uh, that would be a way to link the three countries, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras. And because it's a logistics hub with ports, we'll have airport, um, link the three of them with the United States and also link the Caribbean Atlantic with the Pacific side in El Salvador. So those are the kinds of things that our logistics and infrastructure uh, clusters are working on. Uh, the energy projects that I mentioned are, are actual projects that, that we've taken on and are doing. Uh, the corridors and the dry canal, we have not yet taken them out. We're looking seriously at how to do it and with whom to, to partner and how to make that happen because that would really be a very significant asset to the region in taking advantage of the current situation in the world to make the Northern Triangle of Central America a really important manufacturing and logistics hub linked to the United States market. And I think we think that some of the issues with China of late becoming apparent of late um, really push companies in that direction. So the supply chain problems, logistics problems that became very evident in the COVID period. Um, when you're two hours by air and a short distance by sea uh, from the US, uh, you don't have those. The environmental degradation caused by shipping uh, the product from China or anywhere else in, in East Asia uh, to the United States burning what they do burn, which is very polluting fuel oil, uh, compared to the short hop from uh, the Northern Triangle to West Coast or East Coast US uh, is uh, environmentally and logistically and financially uh, beneficial. And then another factor that's we think is going to be driving the opportunity for the Northern Triangle to become a major manufacturing logistics hub is the demographics. The aging of the population of China due to the one child policy that they've had for 30 years um, will cut into, is cutting into, and will significantly cut into their labor force and their ability to be the major source of supply for so many things in the world as the world market grows. So we see in all that uh, a real opportunity for the Northern Triangle link with the United States to become not just for a little while, but in a very important way for a very long time, a, a really important manufacturing and logistics hub, which would generate very good jobs and a very good standard of living for the people involved in four countries, but very importantly in the, in the Northern Triangle. You've outlined pretty extensively uh, the kind of relationships you have with private sector entities. Do you ever get involved with the governments of the region and to what extent, if so? Well, uh, 
as I said, HUGE is a, a private sector organization. And so it was a decision that the founders made up front not to request or receive funding from any of the governments. Um, we're also not a lobbying organization. Um, what we are is business people that have been doing profitable, honest business in the region for a very long time and expanding that as we've been discussing. And so we have a pretty good idea of some of the things that could be done by governments, uh, any of the four, uh, to enhance the opportunity that we're building, helping to build. And so we have ongoing conversations with the U.S. government. We've uh, been very close to an undersecretary of state, Jose Fernandez, who's got a real interest in the region <coughs> and has been um, open to hearing what our business people have to say about what it would take uh, and what the U.S. can do to um, develop the textile and garment industry or other industries uh, in the context of the Northern Triangle in the U.S. And so we have those kinds of conversations on an ongoing basis, um, sharing at the request of the U.S. government the experience and the ideas that the business people have. Uh, we also uh, are in the process now of working with a Central American University called INCAI, which is a major uh, business school that's been in business for a long time, now, now located in Costa Rica. So they're a very respected, capable uh, neutral player uh, in the discussion of economic opportunity. So they are working uh, in conjunction with us, but they're really doing it, uh, to analyze what are the things that the business community and the data indicate could be done to maximize the opportunity for the Northern Triangle linked with the United States to develop uh, economically and to create the opportunity for the people that you and I have been talking about. So that's another, that, that'll be another link with the, with the governments in that we will be able to refer to the NCAI study uh, and uh, objectively discuss uh, the benefits of doing some of the things that would come from that in terms of if this were to happen, we would be able to mobilize this much investment in this kind of business to create this kind of opportunity. So that would be the, the relationship that we have with the governments as an apolitical organization that isn't a lobby organization. So how does UGE see its relationship with civil society organizations in the countries that it uh, has interactions with? Well, 
the uh, I take it in two pieces. Uh, one are the uh, business associations in each of the countries, all four of the countries, um, who are civil society organizations that know a lot about our subject in their context. In fact, many of our members are officers in those organizations or have been or will be. Um, and so there are also uh, excellent think tanks in the region. So Fusades in El Salvador, Fundemas in, in uh, Guatemala and others, and then ones like the Center for Strategic and International Studies in the United States. So there are there's a network of think tanks, foundations um, that are important civil society players. Um, there are also uh, universities and uh, non-governmental organizations that are involved with um, our subject and have developed, many of them, uh, a very deep knowledge of how to do this successfully and with a sustainable, positive, long-term impact on people in place. So um, we uh, have created uh, a social impact advisory council, uh, and we're starting with some of our members and some of their people that work on corporate responsibility issues, but are now reaching out to uh, civil society organizations of the kind that I just mentioned. And so asking them to join in our advisory council and to uh, bring to the discussion <clears throat> their knowledge of best practices uh, in the uh, socioeconomic, environmental, ethical, um, anti-corruption um, spaces, so that then we would be able, through our council, to share best practices as applied in our region in this kind of business uh, with our own members and also with new investors coming into the region uh, who would adhere to these principles and strive to have a positive impact on society and the planet. Uh, but have not done it in the Northern Triangle. So our people have been doing it for a very long time. And in collaboration with civil society through our advisory council, we'll be able to help in a very hands-on way to new investors fo focusing on how to do it right in the Northern Triangle. Well, Greg, we've we've covered a lot of ground here. Uh, one thing that's common is uh, our receipt of questions from listeners to our podcasts. And what we like to do is include the contact information for the folks that we speak with. So if, if one of our listeners or more have questions for you, how might they go about getting contact uh, with you so that they can uh, ask them? Delighted. Um my email is the best way, ghuger, H-U-G-E-R, at think slash huge.org. 
Thank you. And we'll have that in the transcript that we place below the recording. And ad additionally, if it's okay with you, we can put a link to your uh, LinkedIn profile and, and your website. Very good. I appreciate that. Thanks for joining me today. And, and we at the Central American Group wish you great luck in, in everything that you're doing in Central America. Steve, thank you very much. And I wish you all the best too. And to your audience. Have a good evening. Thank you for listening. Sign up to receive the Central American Group's quarterly newsletter by visiting www.thecentralamericangroup.com.